This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. From the diamond to the clubhouse to the front office, this is the show that feeds the passion for all Twins fans. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. A lovely day here in Philadelphia. Rubber game of this three-game series, Twins. Take on the Phillies. I'm Corey Provis, and our special guest on our Sunday show is Twins bench coach Derek Shelton. Derek, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Corey. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine, as I'm sure you are and the team after a nice win yesterday, 6-2. to two. And there's something about Eddie Rosario, and we've seen this in the past, but certainly on this road trip, the man loves the ninth inning. Yeah, uh, I think he loves the ninth inning, although yesterday was a day game. You know, I like to say that he likes the lights. Anytime <laughs> it's a uh, it's a big moment, Eddie's going to do something. He's going to do something to impact the game. I mean, his first hit of the year was the other night in Kansas City to uh, to get an RBI to put us ahead. So yeah, yeah I mean, it was a big three run homer for him. It was a big three run homer for us, but it really separated the game a little bit. And then following the game too, Rocco Baldelli gave you a lot of credit <laughs> for the double switch. No, yeah, Rocco's way too uh, way too outgoing with those compliments. But it was just an in-game conversation, you know. I mean, we've been walking through every single game of how we're going to do it and having some communication. And so I made just may have made a suggestion when we got to Cave Spot about what we were going to do, and then Rosie happened to hit the homer. You know, we had to put Raj in the game, and you know, it's it's a little bit different when you have the team we have and the positional flexibility of how we're running a nationally game and because we have guys that can go different places and because Rosie didn't start yesterday it was just getting him another at bat and it ended up turning out really well how has the in-game dialogue been different in this series interleague play than say the first five games of the year well it's a little bit interesting because with rock managing for the first time there's been a lot of there's been a lot of in-game managing throughout even in spring training a lot of questions a lot of thoughts a lot of conversation back and forth just to see how the flow was going to go but I think the big one for not only for Rock and for Wes it's the first time in a National League setting so we have to be very conscious of where the pitcher spot is and what we're going to do and what the score is and then who we're going to use and you know honestly the first night with the fact that we knew that Odo and Martin were both going to pitch it made it extremely challenging because now you're counting spots you have to double switch to get Martin to be able to throw multiple innings. The fact that Odo had some grip issues on the ball early and we had to go get him. So that one, there was a lot of things talked to. What I try to do with Rock is just give him a bunch of different ideas and, you know, kind of let him pick. And, you know, sometimes he'll say, do you really want to do this? And I'm like, no, but I'm giving you, mm. I'm giving you the thoughts of if we want to do it. So it's been a really good flow. He does a really good job asking good questions. They're very thoughtful. And uh, then we kind of make a decision from there. Um, I would imagine, too, that he's not just looking for a yes man or yes men, in your case, and also Wes Johnson. 
maybe debate's the wrong word, but is it dialogue and sometimes gets heated because of what's going on in the game and how quickly things are moving here? Right. It's never been heated. There's, and maybe it will at some point, you know, because there'll be difference of opinions. But I think we talk through so many things. And the one thing that Rocco and I talked about going into the season was just giving him a bunch of different ideas. Now, his ability to process information is really, really good because he's, you know, he's a bright guy. And I think there's an underlying trust factor between he and I. So when I tell him something, I think he trusts it. You know, I've thought it out already. And in no way do I give him an answer just because I think that's what he wants to hear. Because, you know, the way we've discussed my job and his thoughts of my job and what he wants, I would never do that. I'm going to tell him what I think. If he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. You know, he. I mean, he's the one that's in charge and he's the manager and he can make the decision. But again, the one thing about Rock that's really cool is he's, extremely humble, ton of humility. I mean, even the post-game comedy made last night, there's no reason to make that. I mean, we had talked through that situation. You know, he's making it sound like I had this grandiose idea, but we had talked through the situation. So I think it's just more a really good open line of communication. During an American League game, not uncommon for the bench guys to go hit together during the game because they know their spot's not going to come up for a while. But now here we are in a National League ballpark, as we will be for two more days uh, coming up in New York. How early are the guys getting ready? You know, in the case of Rosario or Nelson Cruz or Mitch Garver, the bench guys getting ready. Is it vastly different knowing that, hey, they might be needed in the third inning to hit as opposed to waiting to maybe the seventh or eighth inning? Right. And I think that goes to the point of when we start our advance the first day, when James and myself and Tony and Tommy and Bill Evers talked to the group. And, you know, one of the primary messages was, number one, you have to be aware of where the pitcher's hitting at all times. Number two, you have to be loose from probably the third inning on because that's the inning the pitcher could possibly hit if he's, if he's scuffling. And number two, you have to be loose. The last one is don't make the last out, you know, and I say that kind of <laughs> jokingly, yeah. and, and I, I got that never having coached in the National League, but I spent a lot of time around Robbie Thompson, who was a second baseman for the Giants. He was the bench coach in uh, Cleveland when I was there, and he said when he played for Roger Craig, that was the last thing they wanted to do. He said it didn't matter who it was. If you made the last out, you were coming out. So I told him the other day, I said, hey, if you want to stay in the game, don't make the last out. So... And again, and I think you see the first night here, because of the fact we have so many guys that can play so many positions, it gives Rocco the flexibility to to bounce guys around and move you know, outfielders over a spot like we did in Kansas City the one night, or Estadio can go to six different positions, and Garver can go to multiple, Marwin can go to multiple, AD has played great so far in this series, he can go to multiple. So when you have that flexibility that way, it makes the in-game management of a National League game a little bit easier. Going back to even to Friday and our last thought before we take a break here, but the double switches and guys coming out, you know, CJ Crone came out early on Friday. Yesterday was Jay Cave coming out later in the game. Were they surprised? Did they think, wait, what did I do wrong? Am I in trouble? Not knowing that this is simply because of a double switch is, is going on. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things, and I should have referenced that. That's when we told, when we told them during that advance meeting, like, listen, you're not going to, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just <laughs> the, the, the functionality of, of where we're at in the lineup. So Crone's great because his personality is great. So after we took him out the other day in the fourth, he came and stood next to me and he's like, can you explain to me what I did wrong? I was like, yeah, he, he made, <laughs> the, made last the last out. out. <laughs> he shouldn't make the last out. You're not a good listener. That's what I told you in the meeting today. So it, it was a funny thing. But I think, you know, our guy, our guys get it. 
with an American League team, you have to explain to them up front about it. And the one thing we're fortunate with, AD is one of our bench players. He played in the National League, so he kind of gets it. And then you get some of the guys that have played in winter ball with a different functionality. They, they kind of understand it. So this group was really good about it. There hadn't been anybody that's been not understanding of why they didn't come out. All right, great stuff here from Derek Shelton. We'll take our first break, come back, have more of our Sunday show, Inside Twins, live from Philadelphia next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Twins bench coach Derek Shelton here, getting set for the Twins and the Phillies. It'll be Jose Barrios and Zach Eflin to wrap up this weekend series here today on a lovely Sunday in Philadelphia. Your job in spring training, I know you had many, but you were breaking camp and you were designing all the, the, the schedules each and every day. That took a lot of your time. You would get to the ballpark at 6 a.m., sometimes even earlier. Now that's in the past, how is your daily routine different now that we're in the regular season? <laughs> well, it's not as early. Okay. I mean, that's the first and foremost, but it's still a little bit of a function of, of setting the day up. It's kind of more exciting for me because I can get out on the field more. The only time during spring training where you're really out on the field is once game starts or when I was running a drill, you know, a specific defensive drill. So now it's it's a little bit uh, calmer. More of the storm is the in-game stuff, just making sure. But it's making sure that from the advanced guys, myself, that Rocco has the information he needs. And then once Rock gets his game card, we will kind of walk through it and then Huff and Wes will walk him through the bullpen and how we're going to use it and what their thoughts are and what our availability. So it's more now just kind of answering questions in terms of what we think is going to happen that night and how we're going to run through the different scenarios of that. I mean, there's still a little bit of paperwork just getting a lineup out or texting a lineup out or, or getting some stuff up on, you know, on the boards for people to see. But there's a lot less busy work now you mentioned that you want to get on the field more from a team standpoint is there less on-field work going on than maybe we've seen in the past or is it happening hours and hours before the game I don't think there's it's less or more in any way I think we've functionally done it different and and what I mean by that is normally you would take your ground balls during BP and I think you're seeing a lot of teams going away from that and they're taking their ground balls during an earlier portion of the day so during BP, if guys want to get ground balls off the bat, off that's fine. But they're not taking them while there's hitters hitting. So they can work on things. We can work on double plays. We can work on slow rollers. We can get functionally more work done in that setting. So we've kind of changed that. And in doing that, too, Tommy's also changed how we do our outfield stuff at that time because you have a free field. So we've essentially broke it up where the infielders or the defensive players have a time to do their work, and then we do – batting practice and then how we've changed batting practice and I think James feels really strongly about it and and Rocco does too and it messed really well was like batting practice essentially every day for our guys is optional and what that means is they don't have to hit on the field if they don't want to now if it gets into a situation where Jay seen somebody and they haven't been on the field in four days and he wants them on the field he's going to have them hit but I think a lot of people miss is the fact that they do most of their work underneath most of the actual functional swing stuff that Rudy and James are doing is in the cage. When you're working on something, it happens in the cage. And then when you get outside, it's just to be outside and there's different things to do out there. So because of that, a little bit of the more flexibility, it makes the workday a little bit different. So being a former big league hitting coach yourself, you can separate the two, what a player is trying to work on, the different skill sets he's trying to to work on. It's vastly different what he's attempting to do on the field with a shell, normal BP, as opposed to what he's doing maybe off a tee underneath. Yeah, and I think, first off, that job is 
It is hard. I tell Jay all the time it's miserable. He t- <laughs> he tells me it was my fault. I did it for 12 years. Because so. uh, there's just a lot of things going on, and you're always worried about the guy that doesn't have any hits. You're not ever worried about, like Polo the other night, hits for the cycle. Jay Rowe's not worried about Polo that night. He's worrying about someone else who had, you know, difficult at bats. So, but to answer your question, yeah, you can get a lot of work, whether it's T, toss, machine, whatever, you know, functionality or modality you're using in the cage. Some guys like to be outside just to be outside for the air, but they're really not, and I shouldn't say working on their swings, but they're just getting loose. They're just moving around. So there's different people that use it for different things. Like if you watch Rosie do his, his routine underneath, it's about as disciplined as routine as you'll see. Rosie gets on the field, he has fun. It's just to get his joints loose and to get moving around a little bit. And he may hit three balls like Ichiro and then hit two balls in the upper deck, but it's just to get loose. That doesn't mean he hasn't functionally worked on things. You know, he has a really good routine that that those guys run him through. So I think every player has a different program. Speaking of uh, pregame routines, can you give us some insight as to what Nelson Cruz's pregame routine is? It's well, it's very disciplined. I mean, Nelly's been doing this for a long time. So, you know, I think it's very similar in in certain ways without giving away what he does in terms of his body prep like Joe did mm-hmm. because of the fact he's ultra aware of his body and what he's going to do and the time he spends in the training room and time he spends in the weight room just to make sure his body's ready. And then he gets in the cage and, and he goes through his routine of how he's going to take his swings, where he's going to go, and then comes out and puts on a pretty good display of BP the days he gets on the field. But it, it's very disciplined. When you get to guys that you know have played the game for an extended period of time, they know what it takes to get their body ready, and they know certain days that they may have to do more or less. So you just really kind of got to trust them. Is a challenge in your role, and I think all the coaches for that matter, trying to simulate game speed, whether it's on the field, whether it's BP, whether it's you know outfield, ground balls, and, and watching the ground ball work yesterday before the game, no on-field BP, is that easier to simulate more real game speed than it would be, say, taking BP on the field? 100%. So, you know, you're referencing we were doing a flip fungo drill that we do most days when we go out for optional ground balls. That is really easy to simulate. Somebody's flipping the ball to Tony, and Tony's hitting the ball hard. We can work on our different positions. Uh, we had Nate Dahman doing it the other day because it's a left-handed fungo, and he's our – coach that it you know hits him left-handed so we were able to do that so something like that on a daily basis is very important it's just as important as taking you know 15 ground balls at your position because that's nice good you're working on your footwork but when we get into a situation where we're working on actual game speed because the ball's coming off hot it makes it happen and I think you've seen it you see you saw AD make three plays last night on balls that were hit pretty well you saw Marwin make a play the other night on a wet grass ball that took off on him that you can't simulate if you're just hitting off a regular fungo so it is for that one of the things we tried to do in spring training with different machine work was simulate game speed stuff but on the offensive side of the ball one of the hardest things to replicate is game speed it goes back to the beginning of spring training of when we took the shell away and we took the L screen away for live BP. We were trying to make it as game-like as possible for that scenario so we could work on it because you can't work on it before games. So I think any little advantage you have, you know, it may be frowned upon or looked at as like, wait, this is strange why we're doing it. But to work on game speed it in baseball is something that's difficult, and we have to make sure we, we continue to try to do it. Great stuff here from Derek Shelton. We'll take a break, come back, have more of Inside Twins from Philadelphia next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Probe is back with Twins bench coach Derek Shelton. The Twins made a roster move following uh, the game on Friday, announced before the game 
game on Saturday with Tyler Austin being DFA'd and Chase DeYoung had his contract selected. In those situations, what is your role when all that's going on? Well, in my role, number one, there's a conversation that happens between Derek Thad, Rocco, uh, myself. If it's a pitcher, you know, Wes could be involved in it. It happens right after the game of just what our needs are going to be going forward. And then after that, actually, my role gets to the point where it kind of stinks because I'm the one that has to go get the player to bring them in to Rocco's office. And then, you know, Rocco will explain the situation and what we're doing. And, you know, and there may be a situation where I would comment or add on to it just, you know, to kind of help out or with the situation. So the one the other day was difficult because I think, you know, we're all very fond of, of Tyler and his personality and his skill set. And we think he's a good baseball player. And, He's a really good person to bring a lot to the clubhouse. So I think, you know, the one the other day, it's difficult because these kids are, they're human beings and they have lives and they have families and in the course of, you know, 15 minutes, their lives change. So I think we have to be sensitive to that. Does the player more times than not know what, what's coming? Not that you're the, the bearer of bad news all the time, but do they have a sense at what may be happening when, when you first approach that player? Yeah, most times if the bench coach is getting you in a situation after a game and there's been something that went on, like, that, you know, that situation went on with our pitching that night and knowing we're going to need it, if they feel me tap them or they feel my presence around or all, you know, I have to be very conscious of even just walking around in the clubhouse because they, they start to feel it. The players, all the players start to feel it. And then specifically guys that know that they could be optioned or DFA'd really start to feel it. Without even getting to specific players, even going back to last year, if you know that a starter is going short and your bullpen's already thin, sometimes does the conversation have to begin with, with Derek or Thad in game, second or third, maybe it's in, in between innings that say, hey, we're, we're pretty thin here, let's start to maybe start thinking about the next day's game and, and see where we're at with a roster spot? Yeah, I think it starts even before that. Like, we, there's, a, there's a game plan that goes into it knowing that like, okay, and it's, it's almost every day. It's just, you know, kind of a proactive part of the process where if, you know, Corey goes out tonight and, and he throws Two innings and what? And we're and we're what do you gonna mean? be short. All nine. Well, how about if we use Hammer? Fine. Well, Hammer yeah. goes. Maybe, Hammer maybe goes maybe out. Three batters goes, out. Yeah, he goes out and goes an inning in the third. Where we're at, and I think the one thing we have to be cognizant of, like organizationally, is the guys that are on the roster are the guys that we may call up, whether it's pitching or position wise, what they're doing, how they're doing it, how much they've pitched. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Before the game, once the game starts, there's factors that go into it and communication that goes into it, and then just making sure that at the end of the game that we're all on the same page. And we broke camp with, with 11 pitchers, and how much of that was based on these five interleague games happening so early in the year? Oh, the whole alignment of our schedule was based on these five off days in the first 13 days, and then the fact that we played five interleague games. I mean, it's just – you guys know because you travel – all year long with us, the, having five off days in the first 13 days is miserable mm -hmm. just because of the fact you get into some sort of routine. You try to get your pitchers into a routine from spring training where they've been throwing. And then even more so with your position players, you know, and I think Rocco's done a really good job of getting all the guys in there and working them through because the last thing we wanted was to get in a National League game and nobody have played. And then all of a sudden we're hitting for a pitcher in the sixth inning and it's a guy's first A-B. So it's definitely challenging. You know, I think we've done a really good job getting people involved in the games and on the benefit side of it they've played well 
you know, all of our, our rosters played well through. But this, these first 15 games, or 13 games, I hope we never have to go through something like that again. And, and coming up on Friday, once the team is back home and the, and the Twins begin that homestand, I believe it's a stretch of 13 consecutive days with a game. Desperately needed for, for hitters and maybe pitchers to find themselves now into somewhat of a normal routine? Yeah, I definitely think so. Going to use that off day to spend the time in Minnesota, my family coming in, you know, maybe go out to Granite Falls or someplace like that. Uh, Brainerd's know. lovely. Brainerd is lovely. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of different places. But that off day is going to be fun just because my wife and youngest will be in town. And uh, But, yeah, once you get into the stretch of games where we're playing, it's going to feel more like, the season. Not that this hasn't, and not that you don't love spending an off day in Philly or an off day in New York, but it's time, especially when you feel like you're playing well and you're gelling and you're you're having good at bats and you're pitching good, it's going to be nice to, to get into a consistent flow. Derek Jose Barrios will make his third start of the season here today. The numbers look great. What do you uh, what have you seen from Jose so far? Consistency. You know, I think that's the big thing. I think at times we saw flashes of Jose, you know, really throw the ball well last year and then there were starts where you know he struggled with his command and and I think the thing we saw especially in his last start is when he doesn't have his best stuff the ability to pitch and I think that's a credit to to Wes and Heff and the work in spring training and Hosey's maturation so I think anytime you give him the ball it's exciting because he's an athletic guy that with electric stuff so I'm excited to watch him today and he's using his changeup more 22 changeups after two starts yeah love that love that I, you know especially in, when you use a pitch like that that can get swing and miss and weak contact adds that into the repertoire with everything else it, it's a definite weapon and it's a credit to him because he worked hard on it in spring training I got about 30 seconds left in our show you got an off day tomorrow in New York Derek Shelton off day New York City Big Apple what are you up to I don't know you know I, I was thinking about it on uh, on the Uber over here today, what I'm actually going to do, and it's funny, I really have zero plans for uh, for an off day in New York. I got a couple buddies that live there. Maybe I can get one of them to buy me lunch. <laughs> one of them works for yeah. Bank of America. And, yeah, he can do and, it. And, yeah. and uh, at a higher level. So No, but I have a couple friends that live there, so I'll probably just see them. Hey, thanks for your time today. Really enjoyed the conversation. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Derek Sheldon, our guest here on Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew. Stay tuned. The pregame show with Chris is coming up next. And then we'll have Game 3, Twins and the Phillies right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based champion championship team.